Mac Power Users, episode 205, Geek Vacation. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. Hey, Katie Floyd. Hey, David. Congratulations on a very successful launch of your presentations field guide. Yeah. And thank you to all the Mac Power Users audience out there that has been supporting me with these books. It's number one right now, doing really great. And uh, more importantly, people are writing me, telling me they're already getting better at their presentations with stuff they learned in the book. And that makes me really happy. So it's doing well. Well, it's a it's a big deal. It's a huge thing. And it's a great book. So uh, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. I, I'm really excited about this one book because I, I just feel like it's... um. It's, I'm I'm a little bit of a zealot in the way I kind of portray the material, <laughs> yeah. but uh, it's it's all right because I think this is religion that people need to get. So either way, uh, th- thanks everybody. It, it really is great, and we've got a couple other news items. Uh, we've got a live show coming up, and we're getting already getting some audio comments. Uh, but send yours in. I think that really improves the live shows when we have audio comments and. We talk about a lot of stuff on the show over the course of the month, so this is your chance. And and today we're going to talk about vacations, so I'm sure there's going to be a few people out there with opinions of something we missed, and we want to hear from you. Yeah, and uh, that, you can, that live show is going to be on Saturday, July, uh, August 2nd. We're going to be in August next week. Yikes. Uh, Saturday, August 2nd at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, or you can go to 5x5.tv slash schedule and figure out how that correlates to your time frame. Yeah. So, Katie, why are we doing a show on Geek Vacation? Because you're getting ready to go on vacation, and I just got back from Rump, and it seemed like a really oh, okay. good idea. Is that is that why? No? Yeah, yeah well, we, we've done shows on travel before, um, but we've never really done a vacation-focused show, and I was thinking about it. It really is kind of a different plan, and frankly, a lot of the tools have changed since the last time we covered the topic, but we thought it would be fun to do a show uh, just to... Talk about how, as geeks, we get ready for vacation, what kind of tools we use and apps and other things we bring along with us to make all our technology work for us, or maybe don't bring with us, which is kind of another discussion. Well, and I think uh, you you also hit it there. You said we've talked about travel before. And yes, many people travel when they're on vacation, but people can travel for all kinds of different reasons. We can travel for work or we can travel for work-related trips or we can travel for all kinds of reasons. But Vacation is a little bit different, at least from a tech and standpoint. And one of the things that I know we've got later in our outline is kind of managing that that work tech vacation balance of, you know, when do you disconnect? Yeah. Amen, sister. And and frankly, when I go on a business trip, the technology I need to bring with me is much lighter than what I need to bring when I'm going with my family. Because one of the issues of it's funny, vacation I, th- planning, I, I thought that would be backwards. Well, it's not, though, because vacation planning uh, for a lot of our listeners is going to be, you know, they're the alpha geek in the family, and they've got to figure out how not only to make their stuff work, but also their significant others, their kids, their grandparents, whoever is going with them. So we're going to cover that in the show as well. So I guess we should just get started. Okay. All right. So can we start with the planning phase and, and actually getting ready to go on vacation? Since that's the first thing in our outline, I think that would be a fantastic idea. There you go. Uh, One of the things that I've started to learn about, I've never used these services before, and I've been aware of them, but really gained an awareness of them this year at Macworld, were these alternate 
um, booking options for tri- uh, eh, alternate services for booking your vacations. I have always said, well, you know, I like to stay at Marriott, so let me go see what Marriott is available. Or, or uh, I know this particular hotel is near where I'm going, or this particular hotel is where the event that I'm going to is being held. So that's I'm just going to go to that hotel's website and check and see what their rates are and, and go ahead and book directly. But when we were at Macworld this past year, several of our friends – not me, but maybe next year, ended up booking through alternative uh, lodging sources, uh, specifically Airbnb being one of the most popular ones. And I think vacation rental by owner is another popular one. And when I had and, and paying the same or similar or in many cases even less than what I was paying for my hotel room, got so much more, in some cases an apartment, in some cases a shared home, in some cases a home that they shared with a couple of other people who were coming with them. And just a really different experience than the typical, you know, hotel room with the single or the double bed and maybe the little teeny tiny desk and, you know, living in 400 square feet type thing. So so that's new for you. That's new for me. And in fact, I used that this past uh, weekend I was getting back uh, as I was reading the Max Barkey Field Guide. I traveled with my family for a family wedding, and it was held in Reynolds Plantation, which is a, a big kind of resort community in, I don't know, it's, it's about 75 miles uh, north and east, I think, of, of Atlanta, Georgia. And everyone for the wedding was, was staying at the Ritz-Carlton. And the Ritz-Carlton is, is lovely, don't get me wrong, and if you have an opportunity, you should go see it, but it was $350 a night. And it, it, it in our party was uh, my mom and dad, my brother and I, uh, my grandfather and my grandmother, and then uh, joining us later were my grandfather's two sisters. And so when you multiply out all of the hotel rooms that you will need for those people times multiple nights, that gets really, really expensive at 350 bucks a pop. So we started looking at alternatives, and we found a three-bedroom condo less than a mile from the venue, still on the plantation, that we rented for 150 bucks a night. It was delightful. We ended up getting two of them done. Yeah. It's, you know, so there's a couple levels of what you just said. The first thing is you know, going to the website for the hotel or the airline to make a reservation, which I haven't done that for a long time because there's these third-party services that I, I think generally do a better job of finding deals. Um, and there's a couple apps I use for that. There's Kayak, which is, I think it's pretty well known at this point. I really like Hipmunk too. And I think it's kind of um, me being susceptible to their brand. I like the little monk. He's kind of cool. You know, it's a chipmunk. It's like a monk, you know, you can't help it like that. But I've also found that generally they get me pretty good prices and they have a rating. They rate flights by comfort which to me is, is useful. I mean, I, I forget what they call it. I'll have to open it up later while you're talking, but I think they call it like the pain quotient or something like that. So if a flight is direct and has wireless, it's going to do better on that rating system than one where you're going to have to do a couple layovers and there's no wireless and the seats are bad or whatever. So that's kind of nice to have a different way to organize things. By Does it uh, take into account the fact that you always sit in the back row next to the restroom? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I got so much grief for that. I don't, I don't know even know if I want to go there again. But uh, we're taking a flight, you know, on our vacation, and I did get the same seats. Yeah, oh, I'm not, I'm not geez. moving. All right, enjoy. Uh, but but the uh, but you know, then the other thing you're talking about is kind of these alternative places to stay, like Airbnb, and 
that's kind of a, a new thing. I haven't done that yet where you go stay in somebody's home. The the first but time, I, and this was the first time I did it on this particular trip. And I'll tell you, it, it made me a little bit nervous. You know what? I, I, there's some guarantees involved that, you know, if you get there and you don't have a place to stay or the place isn't what they say it was, it, you know, they'll refund your money or they'll make it right. And, and, and this yeah, per- what could go wrong. You yeah. get your money back, but you haven't got a place to sleep. <laughs> well, in, in this particular case, I knew that the Ritz Carlton had rooms and was less than a mile down the road. So that was that was always plan B. <laughs> Um, but it it turned out lovely. The place was nice. the The lady was very accommodating. Um, it, it was fun. The but see for a vacation, generally with my family, we're going to stay at a big hotel somewhere. That you know, like this year, I have not made a secret. We're going to Disney World, so we're going to stay on property in one of their resorts, and that's fine. I I think you know the Airbnb thing to me feels a lot more like kind of a business trip or quasi business trip. But for the whole family vacation, I don't know how much I'd be wanting to do that. See, again, I, I would think the exact opposite because, you know, when, when you're traveling with a family, a family of four that you've got there, uh, you know, if you're cramming into one hotel room, that's certainly, you know, that's that's going to get tight quarters pretty quickly. Or if you're ending up having to buy two hotel rooms, that's going to get very expensive very quickly. And hopefully you're in adjoining rooms. Maybe you are. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're down the hall. Who knows how that works? And you're either way, you're still cramped in this this very small space where, uh, and maybe you could get a, a three bedroom, a small house or a condo or or something like that. That's true. Like for like Hawaii, I would take, uh, I would probably jump on something like that. Um, okay, well, so those are some options for vacation booking. Uh, one of the things you want to do is when you start making your, your reservations is, is send it to TripIt. And we actually missed that the last time we did a travel show and, and I heard about it. But so TripIt is a great service. If you get a reservation from a hotel or an airline, you forward it to your magical TripIt email. It's TripIt.com. And they send you, they create calendar entries and do a whole bunch of kind of vacation, I guess, um, reservate. Well, they don't do reservation for you, but they give you the itinerary. Yeah, and they're and really to... yeah, they're really smart in the way that they put it all together because once you forward them the first bit of information, they'll say, hmm, this is a new trip, and they'll create a new trip for you. And then as you start sending them additional bits of information, they'll look at it, they'll analyze it. In most cases, they can pick up information like the hotel chain, the address, the location, the check-in, the checkout dates, and they'll group all of your information together either by traveler or by trip and say, these are your flights, this is your hotel, this is your rental car. And here it is all right here in a little tiny package. I um, One of the other things I do in the planning stage of a vacation is I set up a, a specific address book in, in Contacts app for oh, the Mac. Um, and if you're on Google, you could do the same thing with the Google Contacts. But, you know, have a specific address book just for the trip. And in that address book, I put the airline I'm using. I put their phone number and I put the hotel's phone number and address uh, shuttle or taxi services. If I'm using them, if I've got local friends, I copy them because you know, the way these address books work, you're not, you can have a copy of a name in multiple address books. Mm -hmm. So I'll have, like, if I have friends that live around there, that's kind of nice to have in case you really need help. Um, I put even tourist locations. If there's someplace we want to go together, if we're going to go to the pineapple plantation or something i'll i'll put all that contact data in the address book and then i'll just put it into that that specific book for the vacation so when i'm on the vacation if i want to get to anything very quickly on my phone 
I can just go to that address book and I'll have a list of maybe 10 or 12 contacts in there and I can get through them very quickly. The other advantage is once they're in your contacts database, uh, when you put them into maps, it's going to find it very quickly. Siri's going to be better at finding them for you if you want to use Siri to get the phone numbers. And it feels good just kind of carrying all the essential contact information in your pocket all the time. Were you the one who told me, or maybe one of our listeners wrote in on our text expander show, do you then have a text expander snippet or something that you shoot out for information for relatives or neighbors or something when you go out of town? No, kind we of, talked kind about of a, that. Kind of a one pager saying, hey, I'm gone. Here's my information if anything happens or if you need to reach me. I remember, no, we, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Ireland yeah, uh, that's right. had directions for how to take care of his pets. Okay. And uh, he does a text expander snippet. But you know what? That's actually a good idea. Why not? put that together. And if you're using something like TripIt, or if you've already got it in your calendar some other way, it would be pretty easy to automate most of that information. Right. That's one thing that I do is I always share a copy of my itinerary with uh, a friend or a family member just to say, hey, this is this is where I'm going to be. Obviously, today in the day of cell phones, now people are a lot easier to reach, but this is where I'm going to be, and, and this is my information, and these are my flights. And I also make a point I, if I'm going to be gone for more, I think three days is the threshold. We'll stop my mail service and, and all that other kind of good stuff. Wow. Just for three days, you'll stop it? I don't get much mail, but yeah, I will. Otherwise, I give the you neighbors. Don't, you don't want it to just, I don't want to bug my neighbors. I give the neighbor a six pack and a cardboard box. <laughs> and, uh, when he goes on vacation, he does the same for me. And it's a, it's a copacetic relationship. Yeah, that's Is that the appropriate use. That, that's the appropriate use, so. and that's very nice. And my neighbors always ask me to get their mail, and I'm always happy to do so. But uh, you know, it's you can do it online now, David. You can go online and you put in your name and your address, and you can even log in, so it will save that information. And you tell the little mailman, "Hey, I'm not going to be here anymore. Don't deliver my mail and deliver it all on this particular day." And boom, when you come back from vacation, all that accumulated mail is delivered into your mailbox. It's not sitting. I think it's just. Time. I think it's just because you get so much weird stuff in the mail. That it is. It is. I don't want don't my want neighbors, neighbors to know about it. Now, my my grandmother will not stop her mail or stop her paper because she is convinced that both the mailman and the newspaper man are going to rob her while she's gone. Oh, really? Yes. Well, I I guess that's one approach to take. There you go. I was just thinking about your incriminating mail. I can't get off that right now. Okay. Well. So your you've got, you've got the, um, you've got the, the, the batlith, batlith. Batlith get that is right? in there. Yeah. Well, I, well, my, yeah. I'm trying to train my pet Targ to go out and get it for me, but. Yes. Your pet Targ, Targ, Targ treats, Targ, targ yeah. snacks. Yeah. And then you've also probably got the industrial strength box of Earl Grey tea. I do. For my Keurig though. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. You hurt me. <laughs> oh, by the way, my, my wife, who almost never listens to the show, listened, decided to listen to a show. And in the in the first 30 seconds of it, you dissed Disneyland. Oh, no. Of all the so, shows. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. I, I'm on the list now. I'm just telling you, next time you see Daisy, um, you better bring your, your Tark and your Batleth with you. <laughs> I'm going to have to send a, an apology <laughs> card. <laughs> Uh, I will say, uh, I heard, um, I'm not going to go on this, but, but long, I will but tell the, you, uh, I, I will tell you, I got quite a bit of feedback about that from people saying, yeah, you're right. That you're right. That I'm right. Oh my goodness. 
our listeners are usually so smart. Disneyland, uh, I, I heard uh, Mike Montero once talk about it, and he, he makes such a good point. You know, he's a designer, and Disneyland is a place that was built around constraints. They didn't have the money to buy a piece of real estate the size of Rhode Island when they built it. So they've got this little area, and they've worked around it, and it's so quaint and nice. I just, honestly, I, I can't see how anyone can think that Magic Kingdom is better than Disneyland. I'm not going to say. Okay. I'm not going to say the whole park, but I'm just and, saying that comparing those two parks, and and yet, it. where are you coming for vacation? Well, that's that's um that is my wife's decision, uh-huh. <laughs> not mine. Okay. If I was deciding, we'd be in Hawaii again. Um. Anyway, I am digressing. Uh, let's get on with it. So you you've got your book, your vacation plan, and I think one of the big overarching stories of this of this show is. Vacation planning for technology for geeks is a lot about not solving your own problems. It's solving the other people traveling with you problems because we're the geeks. And if we go on the trip and something doesn't work, we're going to hear about it. Well, so that's kind of an if their iPhone doesn't have power, you're going to lose your battery. If they forget their cable, you're not going to be able to charge your iPhone. Yeah. So we and, you know, even just like the wall warts that you need to plug into the wall. We've got solutions for most of this stuff, but I want you to be conscious of that as you're listening to the show and you're planning your next vacation for your family or friends. Um, so travel day, uh, before you go to the airport or get in a car, I think one of the big issues is the amount of media you load onto your various devices. And, uh, you know, it's very easy to think you're going to go on vacation. I'm going to put a whole bunch of movies on it. But it's also easy to forget that you're going to be taking a lot of pictures and video and you're going to need space for all that stuff. So how do you how do you deal with that problem? Well, I deal with it. I I think last year I picked up one of those Kensington mobile lights, which is a little bit it's about the size of a battery pack for your iPad. In fact, it doubles as a battery pack for your iPad. But it can you can plug in a uh, micro SD. uh, No, I'm sorry, an SD card. I guess, or a micro SD card if you want, or you can plug it into a USB hard drive. So you could plug in a flash drive or you could total on a USB hard drive and plug into it. And so that will, and then there's a little accompanying app. And what I like about that is it's fairly inexpensive. I think it's sub, sub 60 or $70 in that price range, maybe even less now. And you bring your own storage. So if you've got an extra flash drive and maybe you've got a 16 or a 32 or 64 gig flash drive, or if you've got an extra SD card, or if you've got a little extra travel hard drive, you have just now expanded your iPad storage by whatever that factor is. And that works both for um, reading, but as well as writing data. So you can export things off of your camera roll to that. Uh, and so it's a it's a nice feature. And you can also read data off of that, and it can be shared with up to three other people. So if they install this companion app, the th- three three other people can share and watch three different movies off of that. So that that was a nice feature. But I, t- I will tell you the thing that I did most recently is the, the iPad that I bought, I did go finally go up from uh, 16 to 32. And that has helped quite a bit. That's actually minimized my need for some of these external drives, although I do typically throw it in my bag. Because now I can add comfortably a couple of Max Sparky field guides, a couple of Kindle books, a couple, well, Kindle books are nothing, but a couple of movies, a couple of TV shows, and and still have a little bit of headroom left on my iPad and not have to worry about it, where with 16, that just wasn't possible. And also, I'd, I'd remind you that even though you put a movie on your iPad, you can take a movie off even without, you know, connecting to a Mac or something. So 
it's it's okay to load up a little heavy going out the door with the idea that if I get halfway through the trip and suddenly I'm running out of room to store my pictures and video, a uh, uh, homemade video, I can just go ahead and delete, you know, Star Wars or whatever I've got on there. Yeah, and as you so, watch them, you can delete them. Yeah, and the uh, Kensington Digital Mobile Light now is down to $37 on Amazon. Wow, so, that's great. You know, the I think the the Apple, you know, authorized... Uh, lightning to SD card reader, which is basically a cable with an SD card at the end is $30 if memory serves. So for $7 more, you actually get quite a bit more functionality, yeah, but it needs to be charged. It does. But, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about doing that, but to, to go on to that managing technology for others, I've actually found that when I'm traveling, I have to bring content for others. So yeah. I, I may want to load up with, you know, one or two shows that I want to watch, but I probably need to load up with a couple of extra shows that somebody else may want to watch as well. Wait until you and your Klingon children go on a trip <laughs> and you'll see what oh, that really goodness. means. Yeah, I'm sure. Because it's, it's rough. I am just coming out of that right now. I'm getting to the point in my life where it's like, okay, you guys are on your own. If you want, you know, if you're going to put some on your, your iPads, then you need to load it up yourselves. And if you don't have it, I guess that's your problem. But for many years I was, and, and those were the rough years where you had to get the DVD or, and convert it to digital and do the handbrake and do all that stuff to get it on. But well, it saved us on a few vacations, you know, of being able to put a movie on or something for the kids. And with something like the Kensington digital mobile light, you could just go to you know your nearest electronic store and these days you can get like a 32 gigabyte sd card for a, a very reasonable sum or even just a thumb drive and you could put a lot of media on there and just stream it over to your device which would be pretty smart if you had a lot of kids with you yeah i i ran into that problem when i was at macworld my mom learned and i taught her how to download movies and uh, off of her TiVo or to pull movies off of things and, and put them on her iPad. And so she, she loaded up and it's a pretty long flight for us to San Francisco. And she watched every single thing that she brought on the flight out. And so two nights before we're going back, she said, well, what am I going to do on the flight back? I'm like, I, I, I don't know. There's nothing else for you to watch. And she's like, well, can you get more stuff off of my TiVo? I'm like uh, your TiVo's you know, back in Florida. So we, yeah, we we figured it out. I had to, you know, thank goodness for my Mac Mini home server. I was able to VPN to my Mac Mini home server and pull stuff off my TiVo and transfer it to my transporter and pull it into my iPad and then transfer it over to her computer. It was quite a fiasco, but we got it done. And yeah. she watched and, four and more shows on the way back. You, you could do that. But for a lot of people that you're just like going, you know, it's just not possible. So, right. That's that's, that's where it. a little more pre-planning on my part would have been saved a lot of hassle. And also there's data caps and internet access, and there's all sorts of reasons why that may not work, even if you have the the, knowledge, the know-how to make it happen. So, so you know, get yourself enough data, and if your iPad or whatever is not big enough to hold it all, then go ahead and, and get yourself something like this Kensington device or some type of mobile storage that you can add some some to it. All right, so I think we've covered loading up media for the trips. And just I'd like to say that before I go on a trip, one of the things I really enjoy doing is listening to podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> surprise, surprise. And I don't have as much time to listen to podcasts as I usually do. And I really like on vacations, like a particular type of podcast, something maybe more introspective, 
um, you know, or even maybe something kind of more geek culture, like what Jason Snell does over at Incomparable. But I'll just kind of overload on a bunch of those and, and put those on my device. They don't take up a lot of room. And it's nice when you're out and you want to take a walk and you're on vacation and uh, and you have time to listen to that. That being said, I, I rarely find that I, I consume a lot of the media that I load up before I go on a vacation because there's just so much going on. Right. Um, all right. So you're loaded up. Uh, the other thing you need to do before you leave on vacation is you need to organize those travel documents. And there's a lot of ways you could do that these days. It's just easier and easier. Uh, one of the, the most common ways I know a lot of our listeners use is Evernote. Yep. That's what because I do. Evernote. Yeah. Evernote makes it so easy. Like as the emails are coming in from the airline or Hipmunk or whoever, uh, you can just forward it to your magical Evernote address. And if you put in the, the, uh, the, the, um, the, the, the at concern, symbol and then whatever notebook it is. Yeah, exactly. In the subject line, if you put at, you know, Disney world or whatever, and you've got a, a folder in Evernote already set up for that, it automatically routes it in there. So you can just start dumping stuff into it as the emails show up. Uh, another way to do that, if you're not an Evernote person, is if you use a Dropbox, you can star you, you can star items. And maybe you need to be a subscriber for this. I, I would have to check that. But um, in, in Evernote, they have a feature called offline notebooks that I believe is a subscriber feature. That will exactly. allow you that will allow you to download enti- specific notes or entire notebooks. And I am a subscriber. I have enough use for it, but this may be one case where just this feature alone is enough use. But I always turn the specific notebook for my travel as to onto an offline notebook because you just never know when you're going to be without access. And the last time I used it, it was a star icon that you would tap on. They maybe they've changed it because I haven't used it for a few months now. And Dropbox um, has a has a similar feature as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was saying, Dropbox. Did I did I misspeak? No, I just I I wanted to go back to Evernote and tell you that there's a feature like that in Evernote as well. And yeah, I was okay. trying so to that, throw you back into Dropbox. Okay, so yeah, if you don't like want to use Evernote, you can have Dropbox save locally that folder of magic documents that you need for your trip. Um, also, since most of the stuff is just PDF, if you don't want to mess around with Dropbox or Evernote, you can go into your PDF app of choice and just save them in there and it's going to be fine. So either way, I think before you leave the house, you want to have the hotel reservations, airlines, all that stuff, uh, pulled together. And I think we may have covered this before, so I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but would, do you do the tickets on the, um, on the phone or do you print the tickets out and take them with you? My local airport does not allow us to That's do the right. phone tickets yet. Yes. So I will sometimes do them returning, but I won't do them when I'm departing. Yeah, we're, we've covered this ground before. I, I'm getting so I increasingly use them. The last few trips, I've, I've, now, I've now gone without a net. I've been using just my phone, and I haven't had a problem yet. One day when I don't get to get on my airplane, I'll be really upset with myself. But for now, I feel like I'm living on the edge. Well, now there's um, there's that new rule. Um, it's why it's even more important on travel day to make sure that you're powered up where uh, due to some threat, you have to have your device powered on and, and show that it does power on and that this is really a cell phone and not something else. I am so manic about, you know, we're going to cover energy and power in just a minute. Um, but I am so manic about having everything charged to the max when the vacation starts. And I know how easy it is to run a battery down, especially on travel day when you're spending a lot of time on your eye thingies as you're driving around or flying around. So I always have everything charged up to the extent that I even will plug it in 
to the car charger on the way to the airport, just because I just want to have, I don't want to have any lost power once I get out of that cab or shuttle or car and get into the airport. Cause I know then I'm not going to have power for a while. Um, uh, before we get into that though, maybe we should talk about our first sponsor. Yeah, that would be me. Well, our first sponsor for this episode is a new sponsor. So I want to welcome Jamf to Mac Power users. And you remember we did that Mac at uh, home PC at work show or PC at work Mac at home. I always get those confused. But we did that show recently and we heard a lot of people who are struggling and want to use Macs more in their business. But a lot of people already who are using Macs in their business and perhaps want to learn them, uh, use them more effectively. And you might have noticed that a lot of businesses, schools and organizations are already using iPhones, iPads and Macs to run things a little more effectively. Certainly, David and I have found that having our Macs and our iOS devices and our business have helped. But in order for those things to work efficiently, especially in larger environments, you need tools for the IT staff to be able to set up, configure, manage, and secure all of those new Apple devices that you're going to have come charging into your business. And that's why Jamf Software is here. Since 2002, Jamf Software has been the only company focused on managing Apple for IT. They have created some incredibly helpful tools to help keep device management easy and efficient, uh, like their Casper suite, which gives IT a powerful toolkit to set up, configure, and secure users uh, while they're still able to use the native Apple experience. And unlike other device management, Casper Suite is flexible, reliable, and secure. Um, they even offer self-service, an application within the Casper Suite that is designed to help end users install their own software on demand so that the IT professionals can spend less time worrying about those types of things. So if you own or work for a company and you do or want to primarily use Apple devices, you should certainly give Casper Suite a shot and uh, check out the folks over at Jamf. So to request a free trial or to find out more, uh, please visit jamfsoftware.com. That's J-A-M-F software.com slash five by five and let them know that David and I sent you. And I just love the fact that there are companies out there that are doing this, making it easier for us to use our Macs and iOS devices in the work environment. Uh, so thanks to Jamf again, J-A-M-F software.com slash five by five and go check them out. Once you've got out for travel day, uh, let's say you get to your location. I'd like to talk a little bit about, you know, on the ground location when you're on vacation. Um, the, uh, one of the ones that I think everybody should be using is Uber, assuming that it exists where you're going. There's been a lot of controversy around Uber, but I think it's really a service that the geeks uh, have embraced. I first became aware of this. I don't have Uber in my area. I don't know if you do, but I certainly became aware of this when we were out in San Francisco for Macworld. Dave Hamilton was promoting it in my Twitter feed and I signed up. And actually, I think all of my rides were free because I got a referral code, but it was just a, a wonderful experience to be able to hail a car from my iPhone, know exactly when it was going to show up pay the person who was driving me without having to worry about um, having cash or swiping a credit card in one of those wonky little terminals, um, not having to worry about gratuity because it was already figured in, knowing exactly what my ride was going to cost me and getting an estimate in advance, knowing based on where I was going and uh, where I was coming from. I, I just, this is exactly the way that cabs should work. And, you know, I, it's it's incredibly disruptive to that industry, and I think that's a wonderful thing. 
Unless you're a cab driver. Well, so <laughs> yeah. become an Uber driver or, or cabs am, become more like Uber. Embrace this technology. Yeah. I, I spend uh, quite a bit of time in cities on the West Coast, you know, Seattle, San Francisco, Orange County, and Los Angeles, and they all have Uber in them. So I find it really useful for me. And I've not had an occasion to use on vacation. Usually when we go on vacations, I try to get as much of that handled with like shuttles or something. But I guess it just depends on the type of vacation you're going on. But I think if you're going in a city that has Uber support uh, with your family, putting 50 bucks into your Uber account and just having it there in your pocket is something that can really save you. We we had a, a situation on a recent vacation last year. We um, the the shuttle service just let us down. We got we got where we were going, and the shuttle service said, "Oh, we're sorry, we don't have a driver. We can't help you." And I'm like, "Okay, well, we paid for this in advance, and on the website it said you would have a shuttle here." And they said, yeah, we know, uh, but we don't have one. So Sorry uh, about that. Yeah. So, you know, having an Uber, you know, availability is not a bad idea when you're on a trip with family. Um, then another point is if you're going to go ahead and rent a car, I think having the navigation available to you with your iPhone or iPad is really useful. Um, I've gone on trips before when I go to San Francisco quite often for work and Max Berkey and different things. And when I need to go and rent a car, um, like the last time I went up, I had a, I had a meeting at Apple and I flew up for one day. This I'm, I'm going off topic here, Katie, cause I'm okay. talking about business trips, but it was fun because I was able to get everything in a little, just a little like satchel bag I carry. And in it was an iPad, my phone, and I brought my car mount for my phone oh. you know, and a, and a and a cigarette lighter charger for my phone because I flew into San Francisco and I had to drive to Cupertino and then I had to drive to um, over to a different area down in Silicon Valley to meet somebody else. And and so I had a bunch of driving to do and it was nice having my own phone. And since I had an address book with the locations in it already, it was very easy to get around. Well, I so think... go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, I don't do have you, much to say. Do you have one of those airframe mounts? I know we've talked about those on, I like the airframe mount and I don't use it every day in my car because I don't really need to mount my phone in my car. I have a, a spot that I can stick my phone in, but whenever I'm using the navigation on my phone or whenever I'm traveling, I've got the airframe mount in my console and it's, it's very small. It's very compact. And it's one of those mounts that just fits in the, uh, in the vent of your air conditioner. Although I've noticed it makes my iPhone very cold because we live in Florida. We've got the AC blowing full blast, but I think that's fine. That's better than making it really hot. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And it's a nice secure mount that you can stick your iPhone on and and do navigation or or play podcasts or whatever. But it's it's very, very small. So you can just throw it in a bag. And I travel with it because I tend tend to travel more by by car than by plane. Yeah. Let's put that in the show notes. I I bought a RAM mount several years ago and RAM mounts are like, they're, they're the beast of the car mount business. It's just a fantastic mount. Like the suction cup, even after owning this thing over two years, still just locks down on the windshield and it's not going anywhere. And they, it's a kind of a modular system. And when the iPhone went from the four size to the five size, I just bought a new attachment for it for the new size phone and you were able to screw it onto the old suction cup and it worked fine. They're not cheap, but boy, they're, they sure are nice, uh, but it's kind of big and bulky. So for that trip, that was the biggest thing I carried on the trip. Yeah. Whereas and if I'm you not- had this, this air, um, this airframe, you could just stuck it in your pocket literally. 
And and the lady at um you know in security was looking at it really carefully. She was not <laughs> sure what I was doing because <laughs> it's like a, this claw and you know anyway. But the, it, it's nice. So if you're going to be driving, think about how you're going to navigate around. Another um, thing I have that I always take um, on vacations when I'm driving, and again, I drive on most of my vacations rather than fly, is I have a very compact uh, adapter for the car. And, and I'm just going to call it the cigarette lighter adapter because I don't know what else those ports are called. But this is this is one that I found that that has three features that I really like. One is it's a it's micro in size, meaning that it will fit flush with the um, adapter, so that it doesn't stick out and keep you from. Sometimes these adapters are found with inside drawers or uh, inside a console or something, so it fits flush, and that's a nice feature. The second is it has dual USB ports, so if I'm traveling with something some or with someone. We can both plug uh, our iPhones in, or if I'm traveling by myself, I can plug both my iPhone and my iPod in. And it also um, has the ability to charge both devices at, what is it? I'm going to get this wrong, and Dr. Drank's going to yell at me. 10 amps, amps. 10 watts. No, 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 no. Two amps. Two amps, yeah. Two amps, 10. I think yeah. it's 2.1 amps if memory serves. Right. The, the the faster speed that will support a, a full-size iPod and and faster charge a little bit an iPad. And I think that's a Skosh. Um, I'll put the link into it in the show notes, but I think it's a Skosh uh, adapter that will let you do that. And again, I, I took it on this last trip we went on. It's really, really small, but it kept peace in the car because every you know multiple people could, could plug in. Yeah. Uh, in terms of which app do you use on vacation? I, I don't know. I, I know Google Maps is, is supposed to be better. Um, they, uh, you know, a lot of people swear by it. I've been pretty good with Maps. I like Maps because the integration with Siri. And I, I use Siri so much when I'm, you know, when I'm driving, I don't want to look at the device. So I'll say, you know, get directions home. And it just does it. And it gets me there. Uh, recently, I had to go to a place in Southern California that that a- Apple Maps couldn't get. And I'm like, aha, so, uh, you know, here it is. Apple's blown it. So I'm sure Google will fix me up. And Daisy was driving, well, she was in the passenger seat, so she set it up in Google Maps, and then Google Maps couldn't get us there either. So, uh, you know, there's there's a certain degree of of riskiness when you put on these, these map apps, but they're getting better. It um, depends but, on the area. I, Google Maps yeah. is better in my area, although I know Apple Maps has been very good in when I've been traveling in certain areas as well. Um, I think oh, if I had to pick one, I think Google maps is probably the better. I think they've put more into it, but Apple maps is catching up. Sure. Um, I, I want to get on though, to this, this next topic, which I think is probably one of the most important of a vacation planning in terms of technology and that's managing power. It's just such a big deal. I mean, the, the big hang up with these devices, they're, they're so amazing and they can do so much for us, but you know, the phones don't have a battery that's built to last, you know, more than one day. And when you're on vacation, the, there's things that happen on vacation. We're going to talk about the specifics in a minute that generally relate in the battery dying a lot faster than it does when you're not on vacation. And there's nothing more frustrating than relying on the technology and having it turn into a brick at 2 p.m. So I want to give some particular attention to power. The uh, The first thing is... Uh, and this primarily relates to the iPhone because if you're, if you're out and about on vacation, you're probably not going to have the iPad with you. Or if you do, you're probably not going to have a battery problem. So long as you charge it up every night, because with that 10 hour battery, you're pretty good. 
but with the phone, it doesn't last as long. So uh, there, there's a couple things. Uh, there's cer- certain pieces of the phone you can turn off and on that that use up a lot of battery juice that you may not need on. And one of the primary culprits, in my opinion, is the Wi-Fi antenna. Because when you're at home or at work or whatever you do when you're not on vacation, there's a good chance there's a bunch of Wi-Fi base stations you're connecting to as you go about your day. But when you're on vacation, you're away from all of those Wi-Fi base stations. And your phone is going to be looking for one to connect to. In fact, there's a setting on the iPhone, which most people turn off. I know I do right away saying, hey, I just saw a Wi-Fi connection. Would you like to join it? You know, (laughs) and it can just pester you all day long. Well, if you go to someplace away from home and work, it's going to be doing that all day. And every time it's expending energy to reach out and find another Wi-Fi antenna, it's using up just a little bit more battery. So I think that's one of the first things I do on a vacation is I turn off the Wi-Fi. Really? Yeah. I mean, just, I guess if you're not connecting, I, I like connecting to Wi-Fi. I, so you mean like when you're not in the hotel room, just when you're out and about? Exactly. Okay. When you get yeah, to the hotel room, you can always flip it back on, especially with Control Center now. You just flip it up from the bottom and you press one button and you're back in. But when you're out touring or going to the beach or going to Disney World or wherever you're going to go, um, uh, turn off the wi-fi um there's a another big culprit i think is the brightness setting i mean if you know you're going to be hitting the phone a lot that day uh turn your brightness down on your screen and that will save you a a significant amount of battery okay um the the cell antenna is another one but i i keep that on because the whole purpose of having the thing with me is to have access to the cells cell towers so, are you there? Yeah, basically yeah. turn off any of the radios that you're not using. Yeah, why not? Because those are, are big power drains. Um, Easy enough. If, if you're really worried about it, um, the location stuff uses a significant amount of power, too. Yeah, the, um, the problem, as does background downloading and, and things like yeah. that. But the problem with that is there's no temporarily turn off location and then temporarily turn it back on again. You've got to do that on an app-by-app setting. And I think that those are good things to occasionally go in and review and tweak both location and um, background downloads. Because really, look at the apps that are asking to use your location and look at the apps that are looking to background download. And I I bet you'll find that maybe half of them, maybe not quite that many, don't truly need to. But that's, that's hard to turn off because, number one, so many times on vacation you need to use a location service. And there's no yeah. turn it off and turn it back on. You have to go back and custom configure it. The, um, uh, there, there's a there's a blog post at this uh, overthought.org we're going to put into the into the show notes. And it's a former Apple genius who wrote, you know, the ultimate guide to solving iOS battery drain. And I thought it was really useful. And a lot of the stuff he said in here is things we've already talked about on the show or even talked about already today. But one of the comments he made was that the Facebook app is really a hog for battery usage. Um, So if you're a Facebook person, uh, make that's one worth making sure that you kill unless you're actually using it. Don't let it run in the background because it, it will run down your battery in his blog post. He said that, by turning off background app refresh. Now, I'm not talking about location awareness, but just the ability to refresh the apps in the background. And turning off Facebook, his uh, battery capacity increased by 5% with just that one simple act. So, you know, that's that's significant. Hmm. You I, don't sound convinced. No, well, 
I, I something can happen. I, I had something recently that was just churning through my battery life and I don't know what it was. And I just, I did a reset of the phone and I do not advocate this, but I did go through and I manually force quit all a bunch of apps and did a, a hard reset of the phone. And that seemed to resolve it. So clearly something in the background was going crazy. That can happen too. There, there are some apps that will show you uh, which apps are using the most process. Well, and that's going to be built, that's going to be built into iOS 8. Yeah, but it isn't right now. Right. So, um, like the, the Facebook problem of it using a lot of process. Gen- I mean, generally the idea of going through and, and individually shutting down apps is, doesn't make any difference. It doesn't help. Uh, because uh, when the system needs memory or whatever, it's going to stop using those apps anyway. I, I agree completely. That should not be your regular practice. In fact, um, my assistant does that as her practice. She uses an app, and then she goes back to the home screen, then she double taps the home button, and then she closes an app, and it drives me crazy. But I, but there are instances when, when an app has had a crash or has had some kind of failure that you do need to quit it. It's like a placebo, you know, you just go, oh, okay, well, I shut all the apps down, so everything's great. Yeah. However, if there is a violator in there, if there is an app in there that has got a memory leak or doing something that's that's chewing up a lot of battery, shutting that app down would, would actually improve battery life. Right. Another point uh, they make in the Overthought article is disabling push email, which I think for vacation in general is not a bad idea. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But uh, push email does use up battery because especially if it's going and checking constantly and you're getting a bunch of email and it's pushing attachments down, um, you'll find that it that will hurt your battery. And you know, the whole idea here is we're looking for max, maximum battery life while you're out having fun with your family and friends. Um, uh, and <laughs> one, one point he made was turn off battery percentage. And that's not going to really save any battery life, but I guess it makes you less anxious. <laughs> I, I don't have percentage on anyway. I don't need that level of detail. You just feel like you, you don't want to know. Well, I just, I kind of look at the thing. I can see how much green is left in it. And roughly, I don't need to know whether it's 13% or 14%. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, charging and batteries and and all of those options. We've got quite a bit more left in this section of the outline. But before we do, why don't we take a quick break and and talk about our second sponsor? I would be happy to, Katie Floyd. And that is uh, our longtime sponsor, Fujitsu. Fujitsu makes the best scanners for the Mac, period. I love my Fujitsu scanners. Uh, They are a company that has long supported the Mac, and it shows what the products they've made. They're fantastically designed. Uh, they've got great hardware in them. The Fujitsu's, uh, most of them have what they call full duplex. And that includes the iX500 and the S1300i, two of my favorite scanners, where it has a scanner in the top and the bottom. So when you put a piece of paper in there and you push a button, it gets both sides of it with one pass. Uh, the iX500, which is the, the desktop scanner, is USB 3.0 and can do 25 pages per minute and as a 50 sheet feeder. So think about that. You got a big pile of papers. You just stick them in there. You scan it. We were just cleaning out the garage the other day and we found some more paper that has missed the prior purges in the Sparks house. And I just took it upstairs. I put it in my Fujitsu scan snap, push the button. And then today I took it to the shredder. It was great. Uh, you can scan directly to mobile devices. So not only do they have this great hardware, they also have great support for the software, both on the Mac and the iOS. Uh, if you want to quickly bypass your Mac, you can scan right 
to PDF or JPEG file on your iOS device or even Android mobile devices, that, if that's how you swing. Um, they have an advanced paper system that allows you to avoid getting those double feeds. It actually catches it and tells you. Uh, they're professional-grade scanners for professional-grade work, and they just aren't that expensive. I, I love these scanners. I have an iX500 um, that can get... Um, has what they call separation roller technology and it minimizes jams and multi-feeds. So there's a lot you can do with this stuff. And then when you get the scans in on your Mac, they've got this amazing software that does the backend work for you. It creates the scan. It does the optical character recognition for you. It names the file. It saves it where you want. The software they have will talk to different types of apps. If you want to save it to Evernote, it can do that. If you want to put it to Dropbox, it'll do that. Whatever your workflow is, they've got you covered. And that's the iX500. It's the it's the desktop one. If you want something a little smaller, I would recommend the S1300i. It's portable. Um, it can fit in a desk drawer. And But when you pull it out, it does have a sheet feeder. It can do 12 pages per minute. And it's also that double-sided, you know, full duplex I was talking about earlier. It's really a great middle of the road. A lot of times I hear from people saying, I want to get one. I'm not sure which one I want. Uh, I don't want to spend, you know, as much money as it costs to get the iX500. Am I okay with the S1300i? And I say, absolutely. It doesn't have like the wireless function, but it still has that great software. It still has the full duplex and the sheet feeder, and that'll be just fine for you. And then finally, they've got the S1100, which is kind of like a magic wand. You can stick it in your bag. It runs off USB. It doesn't have as many features, but it still has that great software. And the best part about Fujitsu is that they really do understand and support the Mac. They have fantastic software. They have fantastic hardware, and it's just a great solution. We have heard over the years from so many listeners that say, you know, you guys were banging on about that, and I finally needed a scanner. I went and bought one. I can't believe I didn't do it two years ago. And we've never had a listener write us saying they weren't happy with it. It's just, it's a great product, and we really appreciate having Fujitsu on board and supporting the Mac Power users. All We're right. not doing very good at our outline, Katie Floyd. Maybe no, we I told you this here. was going to be a, fa- a, a a quick show, and here we are. Um, we just need to stop saying uh, so, that. So I think we've got some good ideas here for keeping your device running. I mean, the, the iPhone is the real challenge when you're on vacation to keep that thing going, because you're going to need it. And so what are the ways that you get power despite, let's say we do all these tricks we just talked about, and you still are worried about power? What's the What's the best thing you can do? Well, obviously, is being able to charge it. Um, we heard from a couple of listeners, you sent out a tweet saying, hey, what are your favorite ta- travel tips? And David Hall wrote us in, and he likes this Anchor uh, USB charger. We'll put a link to that in the show notes that has a five-port uh, high-speed USB charger, which is great if you're traveling for a family. It's it's a little bit bigger than something I would want to travel carry when I'm traveling by myself. But, you know, David, this is a great use case for you because, gosh, how, how many iPhones and iPads do you travel? with are you going to take on this disney vacation it's like we have a fleet we have a fleet i i think that you know we could start like you need two of these (laughs) well okay katie floyd did you see the email i sent david i don't remember if i copied you on it because just two weeks ago i was planning for this trip and i was running into a problem at work where i've got little usb chargers for my headset microphone and different things that i need to get charged every day and um I was tired of trying to like get all these wall warts. They wouldn't fit. And I was going to have to go buy another, another um, uh, power brick to do all the stuff. And I said, you know, heck with this. So I went online and saw the same device that David Hall bought. That's the anchor USB charger. 
and it's a 40 watts, five port uh, family size. And so it's basically a little box the size of five USB ports stacked on top of each other. And it's two or three inches deep and it's got a cord on the end and they've got a white one and a black one. So you plug it into a wall and it's got five USB ports and you just plug right into it. And it's got smart technology in there. It, it detects the device so it doesn't like jam too much power in and damage your battery. I thought it was a really great idea. So I looked at it on Amazon. I ordered one and then I thought about it for like 10 minutes and I ordered a second one. <laughs> and I, uh, <laughs> I actually do own two of them. So there you go. You Problem that, solved. Uh, I, well, I bought one for work and then I bought one for home because we had the same thing. All these teenagers come to our house and I don't know what it is about the teenagers in my life, but they love to, you know, keep their phone right at 10% all, at all times. As soon as it gets charged 10%, they unplug it. I don't really understand it, but it's not just my kids. It's like all of them. So we have at the Sparks house, one of these, you know, downstairs. So when they come over, you know, to, to hang out at our house, they can all plug in and charge at the same time and when i go on my trip this year i'm taking both of them with me i'm not yep. gonna i'm not gonna mess around so when we get to the hotel because we're traveling with another family too so it's not only my family i've also got a, a you know a relative and they've got little kids with their devices too so we're going to be set but um i think i ran on way too long you with did. that but this anchor device is a is a neat idea we'll put it in the show notes yeah uh, but that's solve- not real the real problem i was aiming for uh, because oh. I'm thinking about not about when you're in the hotel room, how do you charge? I'm thinking about when you're walking around at the beach or wherever you're going and suddenly you realize you're almost out of power. And I think it makes a lot of sense to carry in your bag or your purse or whatever you're going to take within your vacation. One of these little rechargeable batteries. And there's just so many so, of these things available on the market. Yeah. Pick pick one that has a fairly decent um Oh, gosh, here we go again. Amperage, wattage, voltage, capacity. Capacity, let's use that word. That's a generic word. You know, pick one that has a, fair, a fairly decent capacity that can you know, charge your iPad, or not probably not charge your iPad, but charge your iPhone two or three times. Those aren't hard to find. And you can probably pick one up for, you know, 30 bucks, 30 to 50 bucks. It's, they're usually pretty uh, universal. I've had one for years, and it's starting to run out of gas. And it's also kind of big and bulky. So before I go on this next trip, I decided I wanted to replace it. And I got another, the same day I bought my Anchor plug-in devices, I bought an Anchor battery. Anchor spelled A-N-K-E-R. And I don't know if they're a good company or not, but they're all over Amazon. And I their, their designs look pretty good to me. Um, uh, so either way, and the ratings are very high. So I bought the uh, second-gen Astro 6,000 milliamp hour, which is enough to charge your iPhone maybe like three times. And it's not, you know, there's a balance here. You can buy these things very large and charge your phone like 20 times, or you can get them very small and charge it once. I, I wanted enough to cover my phone and at least one of their family members phone throughout the course of the day. So that's how I ended up with this one. And the real attraction for this, um, this anchor second gen Astro is that it's got if you shake it, it has a light on it and the light is in the shape of a circle. And it's basically a series of LEDs and they start going out in succession. So the degree that the circle is completed tells you how high it's charged. And one of my pet peeves of the prior device I had is I never knew how much charge was in it. There was no indication at all. So it could be full or it could be empty. So I was always manically charging that thing, even though it probably didn't need it. So this is kind of nice. 
Yeah, I've got a Mophie charger, but I also had note the note the past tense there. This really cool, it's called a Luster Mini uh, lipstick charger, and by lipstick, they say it's shaped like a, a tube of lipstick, but it's really quite a bit bigger. But it's very compact, and it's actually got a pretty powerful flashlight on the end of it. And it would be enough to charge your iPhone, I, I think, at least one and a half full time. So it's not a real big charger, but it's designed to be something that you could throw in the bottom of your purse or throw in your car or just very, very mobile. And I actually gave that to my mom before we left for Macworld and said, here, you know, just take this. You'll probably run down your battery at some point. Just hang on to it and give it back to me when we get back from the trip. And um, that second part hasn't happened yet. Yeah, it's, it's, it went the same place as your Fujitsu scan snap. You <laughs> it did. It did. Um, yeah. The, um, if you're going to get one of these batteries, though, you also need a cable. So don't forget the cable. Uh, you can get very short cables now with lightning or the old 30 pin connector on it and USB on the other end. Or you can get just like the Apple one. I, you know, when we go on a vacation, I bring a bunch of those Apple cables because we've collected them as we've got devices in the family. And combining that with the Anchor plug-in thing, we can plug them overnight. And then when I leave in the morning, I'll take the battery with me and I'll take a a cable with me. So whatever device it is, I kind of prefer the long one in the bag so I can actually pull it out while it's tethered to the battery if if I need that for some reason. But you can also use the shorter one if you want. But just it's obviously like a make bag sure phone. Yeah, it is. It's like the old taste. (laughs) You know, I used to work at Radio Shack in like 1986 and when the cell phones were were brand new. And one of the big sellers we had was this thing you carried. It was like a lunchbox. And and it was um, it had a phone handset on the other with a cord. So you'd walk around with the lunchbox in one hand and the cord to the other handset, and you'd be talking on it like you were really cool. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's just, I remember those days. But either way, so uh, get yourself a battery, get yourself a cord, and that solves a lot of the problems. I actually thought about buying a solar charger for this trip because we're going to be a place where it's really hot and sunny, and that, I thought that would be kind of cool. I, frankly, saw, I saw a really cool solar charger at um, at Macworld this year. It was a, a Guide 10. They had a couple of different ones. I'll put a link to those in the show notes. But those are getting popular. I mean, just if you're going on vacation, I don't know that you need one, but we're looking at, at planning a trip to the Grand Canyon. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but there are no um, there are no outlets in the Grand Canyon. Yeah. So I think if you're definitely camping or planning a trip with uh, with limited access, that you should look at these. But but going back real quick to your um, to your cables, I think every device certainly needs a cable, and I would even, depending on how many people you're taking with you, um, recommend maybe at least one or two extra cables. I like the little short cable for the battery packs myself, but I understand why you like the long ones. But I tend to like these retractable cables because you kind of get the best of both worlds. They retract to be very small, but then you can you know, use them if you need to extend them. But we also got this really cool cable I saw at Macworld. And I think we got one in the speaker bag from a different company that is is an all-in-one cable. And I picked one up to take on my trip with me that has a micro USB and then it can, the tip converts to lightning. And those are the only two cables that I really need to carry with me now because everything either charges by micro USB or charges by lightning. So it's like a two-in-one cable that covers everything. Isn't the micro USB connector like one of the worst connectors you've ever it's, used? It's it's horrible, but it's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I think we talked about that cable on our Macworld show. When we talked about things we liked on the floor. And, and like you, I have one and I love it. It's great because like you said, I, I just carry it in my briefcase so I can charge 
whatever I've got uh, with that with that one cable. But uh, when we go on our trip, there's going to be eight of us with between two families, and I've got the battery, and and Daisy, my wife, has a, even a bigger battery than I do, external battery that she bought a while back. So we figure between the two of us, we'll be able to provide power for the various members of our entourage. <laughs> so yeah. I think we'll be okay. Um, the, the solar charger makes a lot of sense, probably unrelated to vacations, but just to have one if if you were to lose power. I mean, like where I live, it's earthquake country. If we lost power, I probably would feel pretty good about myself if I had one of those solar chargers. And I, I also do quite a bit of hiking uh, just for fun here in Southern California. But when I hike, I always bring a battery with me and it's just not that big of a problem. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we got it covered. Uh, some methods to save power on your device, carry a battery, uh, have a way to charge everything in your room. Let's talk about uh, managing internet access. Yeah, we've covered this quite a bit. Um, I personally like the Get Cloak service so that I can have a VPN when I travel. I know that you like using uh, the cellular data that that comes with your device. Uh, cellular data prices are, are pretty reasonable now, at least on on my plan, and that is one of the things that I have found that I, I really have used is. Um, Cutting back on some other features that I'm not necessarily using, but I, I recently upgraded to the two gigabyte plan on my my cellular data, and I'm using tethering quite a bit on my phone, and so that's great because you know Wi-Fi and access can be very sketchy when you travel. Yeah, and usually vacation places the Wi-Fi is pretty terrible, uh, but do keep your eyes open for Starbucks and the various places that or Apple stores or wherever you're going. Uh, if you do need to get a, a significant amount of data, uh, yeah, turn off the great to pop in for 15 minutes, download all your podcasts and have a cup of coffee. Yeah. Mac power users first. Always. Right. Um, we covered international travel late uh, recently. You know, if you're going over the border, the very short version of that story is just check with your carrier before you go. So you don't get any nasty surprises. Um, I, I like, um, I like, uh, Get Cloak, and I like some of these other VPN services, but as I'm going to tell you later, I'm actually bringing my Mac on my trip with me, and uh, I'll explain why later. Uh, the other big issue in terms of going on vacation is not only managing internet access, it's also managing the trip-generated data, photos and video that you shoot. We've kind of covered that a little bit already. I think you need some kind of way to get that stuff if you're going to get it off your camera, you have to. I think you should have it at least one other place before you head back, and and you know it'd be best if you had that stuff one other place that's not packed in the same device. I mean, if you have one bag or one piece of luggage and in it you've got you know your your iPad with all the pictures on it and your backup device with all the pictures on it, I just don't think that's a good idea for a vacation. You want to keep it separately. Uh, to such an extent, maybe you put it on a little SD card and you put it in your pocket when you get on the plane. So if your bag you know, gets shipped somewhere or lost or whatever, you've got a way to make sure you have your vacation picks. If you've got reliable Internet connection, like if you maybe you're at one of these places where they have really great, you know, Wi-Fi, why not upload all your big pictures and videos to Dropbox before you get on the plane to go home? And that way you really know the stuff is safe. I mean, the. I don't know. I really like the vacation memory photos we take. I don't want to lose those. Yeah. And we could probably spend half of an episode talking about how to back up 
your photos. And I, in fact, I think we have done that before. I'm not sure in, in what episode, but the, the short version is it's going to be different for every person based on how you're shooting photos, based on the equipment that you have and, and based on the resources that you have available to you. But it is something that you need to think about. I've used that Kensington device to back up photos, to transfer them from cards to my iOS devices or from iOS devices to cards. And that has worked well for me. Of course, if you have a Mac, you can offload them. If you have reliable Wi-Fi access, you can upload them to the cloud. It, it just depends on what your options are. Yeah. And, uh, and which leads to the next question, somewhat related. Can you do an iPad-only trip? And I think it just really depends. Uh, for a lot of my vacation trips, I've not taken a, a Mac with me. The last couple I have, just because when I go, my day job is of such a nature that if a client has a big problem, I will stop on vacation to take care of it because I'm kind of their guy. And and also with the Mac Sparky stuff, occasionally I have something kind of gone with one of the books I need to fix. It just it's it's a lot easier for me to pack a MacBook with a with a um. AC adapter than to not have it and really need it. So I usually bring it. And the other advantage of that to me is uh, I can take the SD card and just dump it onto my MacBook as well. And then I've got a really great thing to look at the pictures on if I want. And I've got another uh, backup. Uh, if I can get away without taking the computer, I probably would because it, it really is nice kind of getting away from the computer for a little bit of time. I've actually stopped taking my computer on true vacations. I will take them on work-related trips uh, or trips where I expect to be working. But on vacations, I'm, I'm iPad only, and that's worked very well. This most recent trip, and it was only four days, I had the smallest bag I've I've ever packed. Uh, part of that is because I was taking, you know, one set of nice clothes to wear to the wedding, and the rest was, was kind of um, just very casual wear. But I packed my iPhone, my iPad, a charger, and two cables. It was great. It's now, what about the hotel room technology? Uh, if you're going on vacation, you bring your family, you may want to take advantage of something in the hotel room. Like, you know, they have these televisions in the rooms these days. Um, it seems very hit and miss, but some of the nicer hotels are getting televisions that have an HDMI in port. And that is the, the key if you want to be able to put the stuff on the TV. I found it's an interesting mix. It's some of the really nice hotels are offering a dedicated HDMI port saying, hey, here, you can plug into this. And then some of the, I don't want to say cheap, but not as fancy hotels just don't care because they don't have one of these fancy entertainment systems. And I found it's kind of the middle of the road hotels or high, but not super high end hotels that that are really the most problematic because they've got this proprietary in-hotel you know, entertainment system that's kind of locked down. So you never know. I, I if I'm going to have some time, I will take because it's pretty easy and pretty small to pack a little kit that includes um, my airport express, because I've got to connect my device to my Apple TV and be on the same network. Uh, my Apple TV, I have a short HDMI cable that I picked up from Monoprice. Um, and I have a separate Apple TV remote because I once went on vacation and forgot to pack my Apple TV remote. And that was pretty bad. Well, if you had it set up with a Wi-Fi network, you could use your phone. Well, there was a, there there was some kind of there. Oh, I hadn't pre-set it up with that particular network or something like that. So that yeah. that was the problem. It's easier to connect a phone these days than it used to be. But right, yeah, right. I, I, 
Um, for, for when we go with the family, if I go on business, I don't really bring any of that stuff unless I need it for a presentation. And, but if we go with family, I kind of go a little bit more low tech with that. I just bring an HDMI cable and I bring the lightning to HDMI adapter for the iPad. And so we've got the iPad there. We've got some movies on it. And if we want to plug into the TV, we can, and I just leave it at that. Um, and then we've already talked about you need the chargers and the cables and all the stuff to, to juice everything up every night. So when you get up to go conquer the world, the next day you've got full power. All right. Well, I want to talk about our last sponsor. Um, and then I definitely, you know, one of the topics that I'm most excited about talking about for this episode is managing that work-life balance. Was there anything else you want to talk about about packing before we go there? No, I'm good. Let's do this. Well, our last sponsor for this episode is going to be the folks over at 1Password. And 1Password, I am so excited about 1Password and the things that they are doing. If you've been watching their tweets and, and reading their blog posts, which if you don't subscribe to their blog, I definitely recommend that you should check it out. Uh, but they are the first to jump on top of new technology and embrace new technology. And I just, without knowing anything and without being a part of anything other than what they've already made public, there's just some awesome, awesome stuff coming from 1Password with iOS 8. I think they've already publicly announced that they're working on extensions and they're working on Touch ID support, and it's just going to be amazing. But before we go there, I do want to talk a little bit about what 1Password does. And 1Password makes it easy to create strong and unique passwords so that you don't have to keep using the same password across all of your websites. We've all been guilty about that. Uh, in fact, just today, I was talking to somebody who spent uh, half of her day on the phone jumping through various hoops with various services uh, because she couldn't remember a password that she had set up to this particular account. And when they sent the password reset, they sent it to an email account that she had created several years ago. And she didn't know the password of that account. So she had to call somebody else to try to get that password reset. Uh, and I was listening to the story and I was being very sympathetic. And I was just thinking, I don't have those kinds of problems because I use one password and I know what all my passwords are. Well, I actually, I don't, I don't know what any of my passwords are, but one password does. So they've got me covered. It's multi-platform. It will work on a Mac, a PC, an iPhone, even an Android device. And it will sync either by Dropbox or iCloud, which means all of your passwords are everywhere whenever you need them. Um, on the uh, desktop, they've got the autofill feature for your extensions uh, or extensions for your browser that will automatically fill in your extensions. And the I, the app on iOS is just amazing. I find myself more and more like when I'm on vacation recently and went uh, iPad only uh, browsing and, and filling in things through the one password uh, application because they have a full featured web browser in there where uh, it will automatically go in and fill and store and secure all of your information for you. Uh, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. And if you aren't using the newest iOS app, uh, you definitely should check it out. So other features they have includes the ability to keep secure notes inside 1Password, the ability to organize uh, all of your software licenses, and this great feature called Security Audit that will tell you when you've used the same password multiple times uh, or when maybe it may be time to change your password, plus a new feature called Watchtower that if you enable it, will go out and keep track of all of the security breaches, compare that to the, pass the database of passwords that you have, and then put a big red banner to let you know, um, hey, there was a breach at eBay and you haven't changed your password since then. So you might want to do that. 
Uh, so check them out. You can find more information over at onepassword.com, and we thank them for their continued support of Mac Power users. All right, let's talk about work-life balance on vacation, especially in relation to technology, because the the you know the curse of these things is anybody can reach us anywhere, and it's very easy to get sidetracked on the time you're supposed to be off having fun. So how are we going to prevent that? Well, I think there are a couple of problems. One is you, you feel this obligation to be connected. We feel this obligation to always be working, this obligation to be checking our email because we can. But there's there's also this dread of if we take a couple of days off, what are we going to come back to when we when we get back? So there's this this dread of maybe not wanting to go on vacation or not uh, wanting to completely disconnect from work while we're on vacation because of what we'll find when we come back. Yes. So uh, that's that's a good explanation. How are we going to solve the problem? Uh, well, I, I think there are a couple of things that that you can do to get ready for it. And I will tell you that I personally have not had a truly disconnected vacation. And, and you may argue that it wasn't truly disconnected um, until very recently. I've always had these relatively short vacations, long weekends, or, or things where I could, you know, maybe three or four days or a week here or there, but I was always connected. Um, and I was in a situation when I went up to Alaska last year where I could not get connection a, a good half of the time that I was there because I was in the middle of the, the ocean, I was on the boat, uh, I was in Canada, whatever. And I think a couple of tips for doing that, you know, one is there's some prep work that you need to do before you go. Uh, and, and we have to let people know uh, and manage those expectations. You know, you are allowed to take a vacation. It is okay um, for you to go on vacation and to not respond to your emails for a couple of days. The world is likely not going to end if you do that. Um, I think you need to be responsible about it. Uh, you know, wrap up what you can, uh, get your affairs in order at the office, um, hand off what you need to do to other people to monitor and document your files so that other people know what to expect. Um, but, but then be okay with, with letting it go. And, you know, maybe to the extent that you're in the middle of projects or, or to the extent that you're working on things, you know, just let folks know that you're, you're going to be gone and manage those expectations. Amen, sister. It's hard, though. It, it really is. Because, and I think this really depends on what you do. In some companies, there's a system in place. When you leave on vacation, they've got you covered. Um, my day job is one where it's it's a services business. And the people that I deal with, my clients largely have a relationship with me and not somebody else. And they're, they don't want somebody else to solve their problem. And sometimes I'll be on vacation and... They have a big problem and they need help with it. So it's it's really difficult. I, I did a, a cruise like you a few years ago, and it was really refreshing just not being on the hook for something that goes wrong. But, you know, you also have to pay the rent. You can't do that so long that they go well, find somebody else and, yeah, and, and it and wasn't, out of a job. It wasn't like I sent a mass email out to everybody in my dress book saying, hey, just FYI, I'm going to be gone for two weeks. So... Don't have any crises during that time. Um, yeah, but I, I did tell a few select clients or a few clients that I was working on active projects with, you know, and I told them in advance. I didn't tell them the day before, oh, by the way, I'm going on vacation next week. I'll see you in 16 days. Um, I told them in advance, you know, probably a couple of weeks in advance, just so you know, this is happening. Plan accordingly. And they were fine with it. They accepted it. 
No. Uh, and that's exactly what you do. And and I think the, the point I'd add to it, what I was going to say earlier is sometimes a true emergency does occur related to work. And if you have one of those kinds of jobs and you have to deal with it, my the way I would deal with it and the way I always do do with it is, is I tell them I will handle this for you tomorrow morning, no matter where I'm at in the world. And then I wake up at like five in the morning the next day while the family's asleep. And I go find some place that sells hot tea and I sit there and get it solved. And usually it doesn't take more than an hour or two. And then I get back about the time they're waking up and the day continues like nothing ever happened. And that's kind of my solution for it. The other thing I do is I, I try to have the wisdom to realize when it's not an emergency, even though someone may think it is and very, you know, politically say, okay, this is, this is a little problem. We'll deal with it. I'll be back in the office Monday and you will be the first thing I deal with. And just kind of talk them off the ledge a little bit because, uh, you should not let these things take over your vacation. And I think that's kind of the point you're getting at. And certainly your clients are important and you have to manage those relationships, but you also not, you have to not let those folks abuse you by making every, little issue that pops up in their life become an emergency and become your emergency. Yeah, exactly. And there's some really great tools for this. I mean, one of our sponsors, SaneBox, um, I have a send to Monday rule in SaneBox, and there's no time I like that rule better than when I'm on vacation. Yeah. And And as the email comes in, and, and frankly, that that early morning thing I do usually on vacation anyway, if I if I need to have a relationship to work is I'll get up and just quickly go through that stuff. And almost all of it gets into the send to Monday box. Yeah. Well, I, I want to talk a little bit more about email on vacation. And so th- the first topic I want to go there is what are your thoughts on out of office notifications? Or do you have any? Um, I, I have one. I mean, I, I don't always use it. It depends on the kind of vacation I'm going. Like if I'm really going to be out of the loop, um, then I'll put one out. But if I'm at a place where I can get, and this, Katie, this is so relative to what you do because everybody listening to this show has different expectations on them, whether it's their boss, their clients or whoever, uh, in my situation, um, I don't really want people to get an out of the office email. I would rather just see it as it comes in, but then I use my max Sparky ninja skills to get through it very, very quickly. And, there's only very little of it that I actually deal with on vacation. Most of it goes into that same box folder or it gets sent back to the office at someone at my office to deal with it. Um, uh, but I, you know, I, I'm not religiously against them either. If I had the kind of situation where I could truly turn that on and forget about for a week, I think nothing would make me happier. Well, I- my feeling on them, and I think they may go along the same lines as yours is I think they tend to be overused. I see people who will very regularly put on their out-of-office notification um, when they're going to be out of the office for three hours in the morning. And, I mean, are you, are you kidding me? Uh, you know, in, unless you have a – and, again, that goes to the way that people think about email is that they tend to think about email as instant message. And to me, that's that's not a realistic expectation, and that's not how you should should train people to think about email. And so I tend to well, think that, if, if you yeah. think you need an out of office message for three hours, then your problems are a lot bigger than you think they are. Right. Right. So that would be problem number one. But I, 
I agree with you. I tend to not put an out of office notification on if I'm just going to be out for the day, but yet I'm still going to be checking. Or even if I'm going to be out for two days, but I'm still going to be accessible. I tend to only use them for periods of time where I'm really not going to be that accessible or I'm only going to be checking very sporadically. So that's that's my feeling yeah. on them. And I also put them on my, my phone and, and have my calls directed to somebody else. But I have a couple of policies. I do, per, you know, there, there are really two kind of schools of thought on when you're really disconnecting on vacation, do you just completely ignore the email and even go so far as to turn the account off on your phone? Um, in which case, when the vacation is over, you may have hundreds, if not thousands of emails in that inbox that can be overwhelming to come to. Or do you try to... And if, you, and wait, let me interrupt there for a second. Okay. If, if you're going to have that vacation, if you're going to have that, you know, uh, going dark vacation... That is a very good reason to have an out-of-office message, you know, right, so people right. at least know what's going on. All right, and what's the other alternative? Well, the other alternative is, and this is what I did when I when I had sporadic access, is I would pull down and triage what I could a couple of times during the vacation. And maybe it was once a day. More often, it was once every other day or every couple of days. And I had a, a couple of key things that I would do with my email and I was actually able to return from vacation in box zero and it was wonderful. Um, you know, there were, there were basically, you know, four categories of, of emails that I would deal with. Um, I would say easily half of the emails that I receive when I'm, when I'm out of the office are messages that can just blanket be archived or deleted. I mean, they will have absolutely no relevance once I get back. Um, you know, cookies are in the kitchen or um, something that has passed or, you know, a, a confirmation or, you know, just all this chatter that goes back and forth um, or a problem that has already resolved itself in my absence. I love those emails where you get a chain of emails and then by the time you get through it, this problem has solved itself. So those, those I would say about 50% I end up just archiving or deleting. No response necessary done. That's huge. Um, the yeah. other... The other category of messages is I will have a, a brief reply. And this I try to follow um, David Allen's two-minute rule. Um, something that either has a quick reply and no further follow-up is necessary, or just something to say, I, I am acknowledging you. I understand. I got it. I will follow up with you when I return on, on this date. And then, of course, you have to have that follow-up action, which I'll talk about later. Um, sometimes something is on fire and you can't deal with it, or sometimes somebody else can deal with it and you don't need to deal with it. And those are the emails that I, I put into the category of forward to somebody else to take action on. Um, if you're fortunate enough to have an assistant, maybe you can forward it to them. If you have someone covering your stuff, maybe you can forward it to them, but, but also make sure that you keep track of it so that you can follow up when you get back and make sure that they actually did what they were supposed to do. Yeah, and there's a couple of methods for that. You could send it, if you've got a same box, you could use the, the same box, you know, like one week rule, and then it'll write you back if you haven't heard back on the email forwarding it. Um, you can also just, I, I often just blind copy to my Magic OmniFocus address, and then it becomes a task for me later when I get back to follow up on it. Yeah. And then um, the the other category, which I would say is another large bulk of my emails, is file for follow-up. And then the three ways that I do that now um, is I will either put them in the same box to have them pop back up when I get back from vacation. I'll forward them to OmniFocus as a task. 
Um, or if you don't use the SaneBox service, you should be, full disclosure, their sponsor. If you don't have a task management service like OmniFocus that you can forward emails to or, or put email information in pretty quickly, um, the, the generic way of doing this, and it's really simple, is just create a, a follow-up or a, a vacation folder, uh, IMAP folder in your email account, and put all those messages in there and then know that you're going to have to go through that folder when you get back. Do you uh, do you go through that folder on the way back, you know, when you're returning from your your Alaska trip? Are you going through that stuff on the way back? If I can, I probably will if I can get a jump start on those things. Um, uh, sure. I mean, I like to return to as many things handled as possible. You know, I, I've got so I just don't do that anymore. I'm so when I go on a vacation with the family, we have so much fun together. I just get so into my kids that I just don't I want to keep reality away. I don't want to think about it. And so I usually just leave that box until when I'm physically back at my desk. Yeah. But that's just kind of a hippie thing. I'll tell you the other thing I do. And I saw that some of our listeners forwarded this as a suggestion is if I'm really going to be out for an extended period of time, and I would say a week or more, not just a day here or there, I will usually fudge my return date by a day. So I will make it publicly yeah. known so, that I will. And your, and your away yeah. message. Yeah. Yeah. I I will make it publicly known that I will be back in the office on Tuesday. However, I will actually be back in the office on Monday. I even do the same thing. Like um, I intentionally make no appointments on the day I return. And the people at the office know that if someone wants to meet me, that they are not allowed to make an appointment for me the first day I'm back. And uh, not uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one is I'm going to have a bunch of stuff to deal with that day. And the second is I, I do have vacation hangover. I'm one of those people. I return from vacation. I really need it. Like <laughs> I'm not at full capacity immediately. And then of course, everybody's coming to you with whatever things that they weren't able to bring to you while you're on vacation. So there's just a, yeah. a huge Boy, backlog. I think we're getting into way too much work talk for this vacation show. <laughs> I gotta stop. Yeah. Well, I guess it's it's vacation recovery. <laughs> it's good though. It, it really is good to kind of have a plan. I mean, not only do you plan to make sure your phone doesn't discharge, but you also need to plan to make sure to give yourself the ability to be mindful and enjoy your vacation. Because yeah. with this technology, it's really easy to get sidetracked and basically just have another week at work, but you're somewhere else while you're doing all the work, and that's that's no fun. Yeah. Um, why don't we? Yeah, I was going to say, why don't we end this? You've got some apps, and I've got an entire folder here full of apps that I like to use when I'm on vacation. So, okay, let's just do this kind of rapid fire. Let's just do it rapid fire because we are already at our magic hour and a half. But I I had a couple apps that I thought were kind of fun for a vacation, or one is a hardware device. And the first one is Day One. If you've never really done any journaling or diary type stuff, Day One is really an amazing app. It's on the Mac, it's on the iPad, it's on the iPhone, and you can make journal entries on your vacation. And that's a really good way to unwind from the day job and just kind of like journal what you're doing, what you're feeling and the good times you're having and take a couple pictures and you can go back and read it later. And I know there's other solutions for this, but day one is the one I use. And uh, that might be kind of fun to try. Yeah. The app that I'll throw out there is uh, Bill Adkinson's photo card. I keep that on my iPhone in a folder called travel because I, I like when I'm on vacation, you know, 
sending postcards. Uh, Apple used to have this feature with their iCards app, but it's no longer supported. And I will send postcards, but I would much rather send a photo of a, something that I've actually taken. And it's pretty inexpensive. It allows you to um, use your own photo and actually get a, a custom postcard created and mailed uh, for just a couple of bucks. I mean, it's certainly going to be a little bit more expensive than buying a postcard, but very cool and a lot less hassle sometimes because you don't have to find one. Did I have I talked on the show about when I met Bill Atkinson and and the original iPad? Yes, you did. Yeah, he and, so and he's he saw guy. it at Steve's house. Yeah, he saw it at Steve's house. Yeah. I mean, if you're using a Mac, Bill Atkinson, you owe something to Bill Atkinson. So use his app. Uh, another one I like. Um, uh, this was recommended to me by a friend of the show, uh, Rob Cordry. He uh, turned me onto it. It's called Chef's Feed. And it's an application because if you're going on vacation, you want to go have a good couple of good meals, right? And Chef's Feed is restaurant and meal recommendations from from chefs themselves saying these are the places where in this city that I really like to eat. And this is the meal I would recommend. And they don't cover every city, but they cover a lot of the major cities. And it's just a great app to keep on your phone if you're on vacation and you want to go to a good meal. You know, go talk to, the, you know, let the chefs tell you where you should be going. Yeah. Uh, speaking of finding things, and I will stick to something that's more auto-related because I, I tend to travel more by car. Um, there's an app, and I believe it's free, called iExit. And it will list based on interstate exit what uh, restaurants, what points of interest are at particular exits. So if you're traveling along the interstate and somebody says, oh, why don't we, you know, I'm really kind of feeling like steak and shake. Why don't we try to find a steak and shake to have lunch? Uh, you can look at the exits that are coming up ahead and and see, oh, okay, well, there's an exit, you know, steak and shake at exit 317 or or whatever. So that was a nice feature. We used that on my vacation recently. Is that, did you just make that up? Is I there did. really a place called Steak and Shake? Are you not familiar with Steak and Shake? They have the best milkshakes. Oh, okay. you need, well, I'm, when, I'm, when, when you come down to Florida, you will find a Steak and Shake in Orlando. There will be many of them. And they have, they're famous for their little tiny skinny fries. And they're famous for steak burgers. They have really good hamburgers and, um, and really, really good milkshakes. I had some other person from Florida telling me that I have to go to Cracker Barrel. What the heck is uh, a Cracker Barrel? Yeah, see, I'm not a huge Cracker Barrel fan because I'm not big on that. But it's very country style cooking. Um, they've got good breakfast, and um, their breakfast is good if you like breakfast food. I'm not a huge breakfast food person, but it's it's country like country fried steak and, and chicken fried chicken. I'm not entirely sure what chicken fried chicken is because I don't know how you chicken fried chicken, but they've got that. Uh, I, the bit the biggest meal I'm looking forward to is we're going to go to to the Harry Potter land and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to live in Harry Potter world for a day. I want a so butter beer. Find, what do you think butter yeah, beer tastes too. like? Why don't you come meet us? Well, I should, I come should, meet us. I should meet you at Harry Potter world. We'll uh, talk um, offline. All right. Okay. The um, dark sky. If you're going somewhere where you have questionable weather, dark sky will tell you when it's going to rain. What a great app. Um, That's I'm all so I got. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> um, white noise. I think I've mentioned that I cannot sleep without a fan in my room. So I use the white noise app. Okay. Flight track pro, which we've talked about in prior shows, but it's just a great app for getting through airports and getting yourself on planes. Oh, that was going to be my next pick, but okay. Yeah. I'll oh, give did, I, did I steal it? You stole my pick. Well, what about, gonna... here's another one. I'll give one to you. Wherever you're going, look for an app about it. We went to Yosemite 
Yosemite is probably my favorite vacation place. I've got these great Yosemite apps with all the park maps and all the details. We're going to Disney World this year. You know I've got two or three apps for that. Wherever you're going, look into it. There's probably an app that will help you get around where you're going to be. All right. Well, I think the the famous witching hour is upon us. Okay. Let's call it. Uh, Vacation planning. Let us know. We're going to do a a feedback show at the end of the month, so whatever we missed. Send in an audio comment. We'll add it to the show. Um, we want to thank our sponsors for today. That's one password Fujitsu and Jamf. Um, especially appreciate Jamf coming on board. Real happy to have you on as a sponsor. Uh, you can find our show notes at five by five slash MPU slash two Oh five. Can you believe two Oh five? And, uh, you can also find them over at MacPowerUsers.com. Uh, Katie, where can you find us if you want to send some feedback? Well, you can send all of your feedback to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. That will go to both David uh, yeah. and I. Yeah, yeah you, can, you can also tweet us. Uh, we're at Mac Power Users. Katie's at Kitty Floyd, and I'm at Max Sparky. All right, and we'll be back next week. We'll see you then.